Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, trees and non-binaries, to another exciting episode of I Am The Night, the weekly show here on the DC Comics News Podcast Network, where I, Adam Ray, and Steve Ray, Hello. of Batman Critiquing and Appreciation fame, talk about the greatest inga of Batman media other than the comics, the uh, 90s animated series. Uh, we're looking at a particularly sinister and spooky episode, I would say, but uh, I think I can leave it to dear old you to give out the credits and the some such before we dive right in. Never fear, Daddy's here. Yes, oh, you are. Funnily enough, Never Fear is also the name of the episode. Funny that. It's written by Stan Berkowitz and directed by Kenji Hachizaki. It's episode six of season three of Batman the Animated Series. And it's our 85th episode. We've been <gasps> talking about Batman for so long. Never enough. So long. Never but it's all good. Enough. All good. And there's much to talk about in this episode. It's a interesting oh, character depth and character exploration for... And of um, Batman and the Scarecrow, I would say. And character growth on both sides. I mean, we'll talk about it, but this is such a clever, clever episode. Really is. Um, they played, a, I like it when uh, such clear characters, such characters have been developed since, um, obviously, the 30s, since Batman's case, but I'm not sure when the Scarecrow was introduced, roughly. Golden Age. Um, wow. But it didn't actually appear in Batman or Detective. He appeared in World's Finest, issue number three. Way back in 1941. Wait, so what's fine? That was a Batman Superman crossover. Back then, it was still a uh, team book. Right, it didn't become um, Batman and Superman team up until way, way later. Right, okay, but it's still in any case, uh, two characters that have been sort of in the comics collective imagination for oh, decades and decades yeah, and decades. Absolutely. But any time you get a good creative team that can take such familiar characters and then turn their concepts on their head in such a way that it still feels very fresh mm. and new, but still so sincere. Amazing storytelling. And that makes it crucial form for the both of them, because fear is obviously a big part of Batman's themes. Oh, absolutely. Uh, we play with what he may actually really be scared of here, and that scares us, the viewer, in an unlikely way. So much. I love the fact that, again, not in the comics, but in the TV show, they're doing something different with Scarecrow, with the character, as you say, mm. has been around for over 80 years at this point. And rather than having him scare people and enjoying scaring people, he's actually making them more reckless and arguably more dangerous by taking away their fear completely. And of course he does it to Batman too, and the repercussions are really quite surprising. Yeah, so we still see this um, in drips and drabs throughout the episode. The episode starts, and like the visuals of this is just gorgeous, of... Uh, a strange man recovering from his fear of tall building and his fear of going outside by swinging from the rooftops very Batman style and a lot of the the townsfolk in Gotham sort of agree that that's oh look it's Batman there he goes but uh, we knew right away and I think it's just so funny that the lady uh, on the street recognised it wasn't him because he bumped into things yes because we know <laughs> Batman's form on the high rises yeah. to be much better but uh, yeah we know that some things are not right when that man's fears and inhibitions are just gone it's terrifying, yeah. literally, because not only does he lose fear of taking the proper precautions while flying the Batwing, uh, taking proper precautions while swinging through the city, taking precautions while um, fighting hoodlums, completely like almost a point-blank range docking bullets, more Nightwing style than mm. Batman style, and worst of all, the fear of taking a life has gone, and that, to me, is Utterly terrifying. See, now that's what I want to unpack here, because like now we're talking about what Batman's mm. side effects of him being without fear would be like. That's the thing I want to unpack. 
I always manifested it in my mind as Batman didn't want to kill people because of his strong moral code. Like Heath Ledger's Joker said, your misplaced sense of self-righteousness. That's fine. That's cool. That's a reason. In this episode, they're painting it as though he's scared to kill people? No, no, no. Not just that. It's any fear. So any fear, like fear of repercussions. Fear that if he kills someone, he'll get arrested. Jim Gordon will turn against him. He'll get locked up. He doesn't care. Bye. Forget it. I'm fighting my fight. I'm waging my war. I'm no longer afraid. But that was the thing that has been. That's the thing that's been holding him back all this time in the the in the. Oh, plus the fact the that he knows that he's afraid mm. that if he takes a life, it won't be the first, and it'll happen again and again and again. It's that fear of taking yeah. a life that first time, yeah. and the repercussions it would have. Okay, because uh, yeah, I didn't disagree with that mm. as a writing choice. Just wanted to unpack that a little yeah. bit, so that makes sense. Yeah. Well, absolutely, because it's it at first. If you're not totally into Batman the way you and I are and, and several others, you might think, well, why would he be afraid of killing him? He just doesn't want to take it off because it's wrong. But it's the fear of that if he does do it that one time, if he does kill Joker, will that literally let the bat out of its cage in a more permanent way? That's fair, that's fair enough. Yeah, I can see that. Because there's um, there's a lot of reasonable doubt as to what people will do because we yeah. see that in the other guys. Uh, the other two people that have been affected by this throughout mm. the episode, they it's not just that their like fears are gone, their own sort of like every inhibition or any inhibition, any feeling of hesitation, any uncertainty or anxiety, that's just gone. They're just acting purely on impulse, not really thinking or like calculating anything. Yeah, absolutely. And to see it happen to Batman and I've got to touch on how amazing the new young Robin is. Mm. Um, not just because he takes Batman down, but because if Batman hadn't have been made fearless, he wouldn't have been taken down because he's brash, he's bold, he's walking away. He's not checking the rooftop to see if there's any more goons up there. He just thinks, so Robin takes him down because he's fearless. Mm. So fearlessness isn't really a strength. It's a weakness. It's, um, yeah, it really is. And that's the sort of, sort of thing that really like helps Robin come to, into his own in this episode. And we see that again, the way that Batman sort of like walks determined through the train so that, that yeah. one mob ju- mobster jumps him. Batman's training and his sort of awareness of like his surroundings yeah. would, would that would never have flown before. No, so, absolutely. Yeah, that sort of unlikely twist of fate there is really what shows Robin sort of stepping up into his own in this episode. And I love to see it because uh, I've only seen him sort of on the fringes or either in training or being yeah. held back because he's not ready, according to Batman. Yeah. Because he's like hesitant that uh, something bad may happen. Because I still believe that there's a version of Jason Todd out there in mm. this sort of telling of the stories. But yeah, he makes the right call here in benching Batman, which I don't think I've ever seen done properly in a lot of other Batman stories. That's the thing. This series dares to be bold, dares to take storytelling and creative choices that sometimes I think even the Aaron medium, the comic books, is afraid to. I mean, in all honesty. Apart from certain classics like um, Kings of Fear in the comics, mm-hmm. Batman the Animated Series and its offshoot, the Batman Adventures comic, have done more original things with Scarecrow than the actual mainstream Batman comics. There's a story in the Batman Adventures where, again, rather than just scaring people, mm-hmm. Scarecrow takes away people's ability to read. And honestly, the repercussions are mind blowing. They can't follow instructions. A surgeon can't follow a procedure. 
a chef doesn't know which spice, which thing to pick up to make his food. He could poison people. And it's little things like that. Um, not being able to follow a sign when you're driving. Is this the road I take? Is that one way? Is that two way? What does that even mean? And it's genius. And I'm doing that again here by taking fear away and making people more dangerous. It's so original, so creative. The only other thing I think this would be comparable to was I want to say the Sean Murphy story where Scarecrow, the psychologist, was there trying to unpack Batman psychologically and then make him fear himself. Yeah. Yeah. Another very good one. Well, Sean Murphy, again, he turned convincing on his head by killing the Joker and making, making more dangerous to Batman in that respect. So, superb. Again, um, kudos to Stan Berkovich. Um, he has written before and he does become a mainstay on this final season and moving forward into Justice League and Batman Beyond as well. So, really, really good episode. Loved yeah, it. It really was. It's a. It was a great portrait of like the characters and such, but also like them in the, in the context of Gotham City. Because again, we met, briefly mentioned that opening scene mm. uh, with the Gotham City skyline, very much resembling Times Square in New yes. York City or Piccadilly Circus here in London. But um, something I've very rarely seen, but we saw in this episode that I want to sort of touch on briefly, was there was a moment where Batman saved the swinging agrophobic. Yes. And just held him there, and uh, like in one hand, whilst hanging off the bat rope in the other. Mm. But the crowd below were cheering. Yeah, I'm so used to Batman as this figure of fear, the one that's hunted and mistrusted by the police. So seeing him beloved by the people give me like Spider-Man vibes. Yes, which is very surprising, but still very true to form. Like- oh, absolutely. I mean, for many years, I mean, if you think back to the Silver Age, mm. where they had to homogenize and make comics much more. Um, kiddie friendly. Batman ran around during the day and drove up to the police headquarters and called people chum. And this was trying to be a nice medium balance of the fearful Batman where he even says it, where he bumps into children and they're afraid of him. And people say, aren't you meant to be scary? He goes, yes, but not to the innocent. Hmm. And I love the fact that, and Matt Reeves does it brilliantly in the Batman where in the beginning of the film, yes, he is fear. He is terror. But by the end, he's a hero and he's a protector. And that's the aspect that Gothamites fear the Joker, fear the Penguin, fear the Riddler. They don't fear them. Nah, they know not to, because yeah. uh, we see him as that protector here, which is why opening the episode with him as that protector yes. and then see him become reckless, become uncaring, exactly. become flippant and distant, yeah. that's what scares us, because yeah. we don't expect Batman to be that uncaring exactly. and cold and dis- uh, dispassionate person. He's like that to the Justice League, and he's like that to his bad guys. He shouldn't yeah. be like that to his allies, and he shouldn't be like that to the people. That was actually going to be one of my main takeaways at the end of the episode, but we, we got to it first, because it's that powerful. There it is. It's brilliant storytelling, brilliant writing, to have that at the beginning of the episode who Batman is, what Batman is to everyone, and see him become totally other, not because he's been turned evil mm-hmm. or been brainwashed by Brainiac or some Mad Hatter-type character, but because he's lost the ability to fear. Fear is his main motivator. He became a bat because bats frightened him as a child. Mm-hmm. And as he says to Robin at the end of the episode, a little bit of fear is good because it keeps you careful. It does keep you careful, and it keeps you sort of aware of what may go wrong. We uh, we worry about that, which may otherwise get in our way. But, uh, of course, we're always talking about fear because there is one 
in manga here in Gotham City. And the new season has done a good job sort of oh, yeah. reimagining and redesigning some of our favourite uh, heroes and villains across Gotham City. When I first saw the when the episode first started, I saw like the all grey, the grey mm. skins and the deep blacks and the noose. I thought it was Solomon Grundy we were dealing with for a moment. Wow. So yeah. seeing this new take on Scarecrow is like visually very striking yes. and like actually like zombified and scary. But like how do you like this how do you like his new look here? Well, again, I was spoiled by the comics. I've read every well, I've got every Batman Adventures and every iteration there, also I knew over the change. But the funniest thing was this iteration of the Scarecrow um, was explained and brought to the fore by a writer called Matthew K. Manning, who's a friend of the show and a friend of the DC Comics News Podcast Network, who, when he did um, the Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Adventures crossover. Oh, wow. And it was originally meant to be a five-issue series, but they added a six. And in that six episode, it literally, he made it the crossover point between Batman Adventures and the new Batman Adventures. Oh. And he showed the Scarecrow designing his new costume because he said he was stepping up a level. He wanted to be more terrifying than ever before and proved that he was the King of Fear, not Batman. Right. So I had um, witnessed the look, but obviously I'd never seen it animated. Right. And to see it in the flesh mm. and the silhouette, I got visions of not just the Scarecrow, but the Undertaker and every scary kind of character since and the noose around the neck thing for me is probably the most chilling aspect yeah. of it because it makes him between that and like that ashy grey skin and sort of the emaciated yeah. face makes him seem very zombie like very just undead almost so yeah putting that visual out there is like very surprising but works really well because of what we were trying to go for here it makes me think of um, Killian Murphy's performance especially yes. when people are tripping out yeah at the end of Batman Begins, uh, something very primal and something very scary there. So yeah, they that that change was very welcome, and it was very well suited in an episode like this when there was a change in not just him peddling fear, as him yeah. peddling the effects of fear, yeah. which is another way of showing his mastery of fear, or at least his intention. Completely. To. If you master fear, you must also master a lack of fear. Mm. Um, so he's literally embraced all aspects of it and he's shown that how much fear can be produced in others by taking fear away from some and if he got away with it his plan was obviously to let that fearless gas out and infect the whole city with it mm. so rioting people committing crimes they never would have dared to before it would have been yeah one of the worst days in gotham history if he'd have got away with it yeah people would have run completely lawless and if it had affected everyone those who would have been able to keep the peace, like yeah. Gordon and the police, they'd be fearless too. Yeah, they'd go around doing all kinds of stuff. Like, like if this were in a post-killing joke, Gotham, Jim Gordon would have just executed the Joker. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a, it's a wonderful when a new concept yes. seems so sincere to the characters, but it's so brand spankingly new. We're just blown away by it. Absolutely. And of course, um, we don't just get a redesigned Scarecrow. It's not just uh, Babs Gordon who's replaced, um, well, not replaced, but recast in this series because the, both the original actors were fantastic. We get a brand new Scarecrow and <laughs> Fear is brilliant because the guy they've cast, Jeffrey Coombs, I recognise the name of the credits, but I couldn't remember where I recognised him from. One of the finest horror actors. Oh, brilliant. Again, one of these people, I could not list everything they were in. 
But let's do the greatest hits, yeah? So as a bit of context, dear listeners, yeah. um, I sort of run the post-production side of every podcast that I'm involved in. Tech wizard. So I take a little bit of time to make sure that the sound levels are there, that there's like um, stuff to get rid of the background noise and that we've got a good space to record in. That's all good. But I'm still, there's always a moment where I have to wait for my father to be ready to do the research for <laughs> research. everything. And you I took a, love it. And you took a good long moment for this one. So this must have been a very tenured actor. Dude, seriously. Again, this is just greatest hits. There was a fantastic spoof, horror, comedy, amazing series of films back when I were younger called The Reanimator, which you've probably even heard of still today. Yeah, the name has been thrown around, yeah. Jeffrey Coombs was Herbert West, the lead character in every Reanimator film. How many Reanimator films were there? Um, the three originals, and I think another fourth sequel, possibly. Ah, yeah. Um, he played H.P. Lovecraft in Necronomicon: Book of the Dead. Fear.com, House on Haunted Hill. Um, I still know what you did last summer. Frighteners. That's just the tip of the iceberg. Also, an incredible sci-fi actor appearing in Babylon Five. And one, two, three, four Star Trek TV shows, DS9, Voyager, Lower Decks, and Enterprise. The Star Trek video game, Star Trek Elite Force 2. He was Ratchet, the Transformer in Transformers Prime and in Robots in Disguise. Oh, wow. Yes. So over 60 appearances in those, between those two series. Okay. Um, the Rat King in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And the leader, the Hulk's brainy nemesis mm. in the Avengers animated series. But let's not just stop there. Let's talk about how he carried on being a superstar in the DC universe. Not just a scarecrow in this show. He was Brainiac in the Injustice 2 um, video game and the question in Justice League Unlimited. No way. Yes. Wow. So this dude has done <laughs> yes. immense amounts. I mean, like... Yeah. It's the voice work of being some of the characters that I've always beloved yeah. between like Question and Ratchet of the medical officers of the Autobots. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Very tenured. Once again, they've brought in such strong talent. But the um the gravitas between some of the horror acting yeah. is exactly what you needed because it's that crazy. moment of him just up on the hill. Yeah. Just like talking down to who he perceived as Mashes Malone. Yeah. It's, that was a lovely touch as well. We'll talk about that in a second, <laughs> I think. Um yeah, there's a lot of like totally gravitas there, and sort of the way he commanded the room when he was talking to uh, mm. the guy peddling the fearlessness sort of life course thing. Yeah, amazing casting choice, and I'm glad that it was that his career is still as sparkling as it has been. Yeah, I mean the thing as well is I gotta love that he's made the scarecrow his own, but there's enough of a likeness there to how he was heard in Batman the animated series. The same way that Tara Strong is herself. She's a new Babs, but there's enough of a contrast and likeness to the Babs from, again, the first two seasons that if you didn't know, if you weren't a super nerd like me and found out who played these characters, you could almost carry on watching and not even realise. No. I true. love that. It's true. Um, I've seen Tara Strong talk in public for a couple of Comic-Cons now, and not only is she just a very nice lady, big shout out if you're listening. She's a lovely woman. But she's also... One of the world's greatest. She oh, no, has no. the she has this amazing like chameleon ability, and yeah. she can switch her voices on the dime. And I've seen her like take people out of the crowd, especially an English crowd, mm. and still perfectly like parrot back their voices if it's mm. the right if it's the right register. So I'd say that like great voice work has to have that strong sort of chameleon ability where you can be something wildly different but still like 
feed in as something that still sounds similar. Yeah. So the fact that this actor was able to like make himself sound like the older the original yeah. Scarecrow actor is a real skill there, and it shows in dividends. And like we said, I mean, again, uh, Tara Strong love fest in, in procedure. What I've got to say is that when you get an actor of that caliber who can not just mimic but play every voice and do a million different things with their voice, it truly enriches the viewing and listening experience. Mm. But the fact that we get this again with a, another tenured voice actor in the villain as well just adds to the awesomeness of the bloody TV show yet again. Yes, and uh, to continue on with the powerful uh, performances of our voice workers, uh, as we mentioned when we were talking about it, we saw uh, the mm-hmm. not named but still we comic book fans know and recognize Masters Malone on screen. Yeah. And we get that whole different, like, gruffer wise guy sort of register from Kevin Conroy. Yeah, totally. It's so good. And the slight Brooklyn accent as well, mm. the slight um, uh, Brooklyn brawl. It, it was it was really, really good. But I do want to touch as well on the fact that we get another character, Bruce Wayne's secretary, Sarah, mm-hmm. who again isn't credited, just like one of um, Mr. Freeze's Ice Maidens was credited. So again, is that Tara once again doing Tara? Sorry. We don't know. I looked. I tried to find out. And I couldn't find who played her. Well, in any case, she still gave a very memorable performance for a bit part. Oh yeah, because there's no small parts here. There's like you, you do if you're being cast on something, you give it your all. Mm. So we sort of credit this uh, one voice worker doing doing her dang well best, and I guess we can hope to find out one day whoever that was. Yeah. And again, the late, gate, late great Kevin Conroy, um, not just Batman and Bruce Wayne, but the fact, again, he's different. He's matches. Mm. You know what? I'm sad old nerd I am. I love the fact when they bring these classic, and for many readers, someone will say, who the hell is Matches Malone? Well, to you and I know that that's one of Batman's many different personas. Yeah. Uh, someone Batman pretends to be when he wants to infiltrate the underworld because there was an original Matches Malone and Batman took his identity so he can go in to a crook's bar, be a crook, get hired for jobs and get in that way from the inside. And to have that here, oh, it just made me really happy. It's a very underappreciated side of things, but it also shows that this is as strong yeah. a depiction of Batman as any piece of the comics because we're getting all sides of the character being told Absolutely. from all perspectives. It's just so satisfying to see that that level of sincerity and that level of care and attention and characterization still carries on as though it were an issue of, of the ongoing uh, detective. Absolutely. Well, on that note, we've talked about um, everything great about this episode. So let's do our, our takeaways. One of them we've already discussed, but I do have another that I want to bring up. But what are yours? What are your thoughts on this wonderful episode? Well, I have a fairly light one, but then also one that like makes me quite optimistic for the future of uh, Batman visual media. The light one I'll start with was um, it's a very eye zombie level of name. Okay. <laughs> when the, the angry guy who's no longer... Um, uh, a desk jockey goes yeah. up to confront Bruce Wayne as a man who says who's named Seymour Gray. <laughs> like, could he see you any more gray in the job he's doing? Exactly, just there in the cubicle, <laughs> I never to- that. That's in the cubicle toiling away, yeah. not afraid to speak up to That's a fantastic. CEO, afraid to like, like chase after the pretty secretary lady. Yeah. So all his life was just seeing more and more gray. But then 
that's why he wanted to approach the Scarecrow's operation to confront his fears. Very good. That was a lot of fun. I didn't spot that. Nice one. But then uh, the thing that I wanted to sort of touch on is because I know in my head, as the show is starting to come to its inevitable close, mm. and then other Batman media with Kevin Conroy will start to pop up. Yeah. Some of the inspiration for that media, I feel, has been well isolated in this episode. Mm. When we see the Batplane flying through the Gotham skyline at a high speed, ducking in and around untold high-rise buildings, mm. all I can think of is Terry McGuinness's Batman flying through future Gotham. Yes. Because like flying at high speed through yeah. uncountable high-rises, yeah. that's Batman Beyond to me. And his flying Batmobile. And, and the flying Batmobile, of course, yeah. Yeah, so good, yes. Well, that did follow on, and um, we'll, we'll talk about that, because I think that, especially considering how many people have already said to me, Steve, are you and Adam going to do Batman Beyond when you've done Batman the Animated Series? I think the answer has to be yes. You've heard it here first, dear listeners. Uh, the answer has to be yes, but I also think I might want to do... Um, the Adventures Continue comic book series because of the Jason Todd stuff as well. And those are available in trades now. I've got the original issues. If we can pick up the trades um, because they are brilliant. But we digress. Um, great takeaways. Yep. Very well spotted. I've got one um, other. Again, I had I had a couple this, this episode. It's, it's that good. But I've got to go right back again to the very beginning of the, sh- of the show. Mm-hmm. When um, Mr. Fearless is swinging through Gotham, or Tarzan guy, as Tim lovingly calls him. And they've saved him, they've captured him, but he's wrecked a display, and part of it's going to come crashing down Mm. on the city. It hits the power cables, the power cables snap. But wordlessly, without giving any instructions, both Batman and Robin... Go side by side, and then, shoot across. And they know exactly what like. They've got a plan, a contingency for any kind of damage in the city. And the way they work like surgeons to make sure that when that thing drops, it drops into a net without uttering a single word shows a progression and, and character growth mm. that honestly blew my mind in this episode. Seeing them work as a unit like yeah. this shows that they've been at this for untold number of uh, other adventures off screen. So they know each other. They know how best to protect the city. They know how to operate. And that's exactly the kind of team that we need. Yeah. But also the strength of a moment like that when they work so seamlessly together, it also really hits home right at the end where Tim has to bench Absolutely. Batman. When Tim benches Batman like that after the, them working like such a yeah. unit, because think about like the last time we'd seen Tim, he was sort of like still on the fringes, still trying to prove himself. Here they're together. Yeah. But then one more time we get a little bit of tension, but it's time it's Robin being the one who's mature and making the Absolutely. real leadership decision because Batman's off the rail because of the Scarecrow's antics. Yeah. That really makes it hit home, and it's just like, yes, he was a trainee, now they're a unit, now they're a team. Yeah. You think as well, because we mentioned in a previous episode that Batman seems to have gone a lot more full-on in his training, like the way he put Batgirl through that regimen. I believe he's done something similar with Tim so that they cannot be any fellows, they cannot be any mistakes, that they do work like that in a unit, because, Mm. again, communicating verbally in public and letting people in your secrets could 
yeah. be a weakness that further down the line. So the fact that you, like you said, they're this tight unit. Well, even even then, um, yeah. like for a tight unit to work like that, but without giving away anything to the public, they could use code words. They could use yeah, call signs. Absolutely, but they don't, don't even because to. they don't need to. That's just how strong they are as a fight, as a crime fighting force. Brilliant. So yeah, they are at their best here. They really are. So so good. That's it then. That's our thoughts on Never Fear. Brilliant, brilliant episode as they all have been. That's the sixth episode of season three of Batman the Animated Series. Our eighty fifth episode. So we're fifteen away from the big one hundred. I think we've got to try and do something special for that one. Uh, we'll, we'll figure something out. I think so. I think I've got a few ideas floating, but we'll we'll, uh, we'll surprise our viewers and listeners. But uh, wow. until we do, surprise them with how awesome you are and the awesome things that you do. I do quite a many awesome, fun, and powerful things across the good wide interwebs. For more Batman flavored things, look to Dark Knight News and DC Comics News for many review titles that I do across the month. Both Catwoman and Batman Joker Deadly Dior are in excellent spots right now. And for my one true love, PC and tabletop gaming, look no further than our pride and joy, fantasticuniverses.com, where I put in my own two cents across PC console and tabletop gaming of all stripes, colors, and speeds. Look to the podcast that I produce there called Fantastic Plays, where a friend and I talk about anything that's going on in the wider world of gaming that tickles my interests, follow me on Twitter at IsItSinkera and look to my old uh, YouTube plays on the hostile atmosphere. Look to my current card gaming let's plays on twitch.tv forward slash IsItSinkera and do look out for The Misguided League, a in, an in-person audio drama podcast special where I'll be leading them through a setting I've developed for 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons to level up your TTRPG experience. Wonderful. So that's where you'll catch Brightwing. You can catch Dadman on this very show every week and uh, every now and then on the main DC Comics News Podcast Network. Both shows are available on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you get your shows. And also now you can see our visages and follow us with the little things that are above our melons on the tube of you on social media, Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, all the usual places at DC Comics News, at DK News.com, at Fan Universes, search Fantastic Universes or Steve J. Ray in Google or the search engine of choice to read my news reviews, features and interviews across those three wonderful websites or talk to me at El Stevo, E-L-S-T-E-E-B-O. But until you do, there's things you must know. I am the night. We are the night. And this has been the I am the night podcast. Thank you for listening. And until next time, read more comics and watch more Batman. Batman.